for 12 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. We're here this hour and we want to talk about uh, our topic of the month, being a good neighbor. We opened this month with a study of neighborliness. Uh, with Dr. David Deed from Grand Canyon University. It talked to us about the Pleasant Valley Wars over between, uh, around the area of Young, between Young and San Carlos Indian Reservation, between the Grams and the Tewksburys. Examples of bad neighbors. It never pays to kill your neighbor's livestock or family members. We also talked about good neighbors and what it takes to leave a legacy. Men like Ernest McFarland right here in Arizona. Jennifer and I last Saturday night sat down for a movie in our living room and we watched The Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> the one with Kevin Cosner? Yes, yes. Part two is tonight. And then, matter of fact, on the way driving down to the studio this morning, he said, I'm so looking forward to part two. That's great. So we'll be watching The Hatfields and McCoys. But on the topic of being a good neighbor and neighborliness, today we're going to focus a little bit on the front porch. And I've kind of uh, leaned on John Eisenhower and Janet and Gary to stay for this first half of this hour to talk about what does it mean being a good neighbor as it relates to your landscaping. I just had save a tree out to my house because I have a fairly massive mesquite tree that was overgrowing the neighbor's yard. I called the neighbor as a courtesy. I said, now look, for them to trim that tree, they're going to need to get in your yard. He said, well, thank goodness you're finally trimming and it's dropping seed pods all over my putting green. I said, okay, 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 I'm sorry. We will keep it trimmed back. I didn't know that was an intrusion. But now that I know it's an intrusion, John, Gary, I'm going to have you guys out regularly making sure I don't go past that wall line. What, what is a neighbor's obligation in relation to... Uh, it, it's ironic because when that neighbor built his house, Jennifer and I were sitting in the backyard during a monsoon, and we had a volunteer mesquite tree in our backyard very near his wall. And he was getting ready to move in, and I told Jennifer, well, I'm, I'm going to need to cut that down. And as I was saying that, the monsoon blew it over his wall <laughs> into his yard. Do you remember y'all had to come and trim that out? Wow. I do, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that tree's taken care of. <laughs> so what is a Nate, what is, as a homeowner, what, what should I circle my property and look for as it may be intruding or impeding on my neighbor so I can be that model good neighbor? Well, each of those individual neighbors have rights within their own property line. And, but those neighbors are also part of a neighborhood. And trees that are on a property line, sometimes they're actually a shared property line. If that tree actually, the root, the, the trunk of the tree actually crosses the, the, uh, the, the property line, they become a, it's a shared asset 
or liability, depending okay. on how, how, right. how you look at it. Right. But um, technically speaking, uh, if you have a plane uh, going straight up from the property line into the sky, uh, the the your 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 branches should not be going over that property line if your neighbors aren't good with it. Uh, of course, we have lots of property line trees that are, are are valued. We have people who love their neighbors' trees because they're providing shade. In our case, we have a lemon tree for our neighbors that grows over our wall. But they said, take as many lemons as you want. So, hey, we have a, a, a source of lemons all winter. Um, so we love those branches growing over our side of the wall. We we, we enjoy <laughs> that. They soften the wall. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's um, – the problem uh, happens, in, and it can be really serious – uh, in other parts of the country, and, and states all have different r- laws and regulations uh, regarding uh, property line issues with trees, um, they can be a, a real nuisance. You can have a neighbor's tree that is dropping seed pods on your putting green or yeah. drop or dropping avocados in California. Oh, you know, baby. That are making an absolute mess of, of landscapes. And in, in Hawaii, they have these um, monkey pod trees that are dropping very large and dangerous objects out of the trees. Their seed pods can be as big as a, as a, as a hardball or oh soft, a softball, <laughs> and they can cause actual damage to, to things underneath the tree. So in those cases, um, people have had successfully argued to have those what are called nuisance trees removed or cut back severely so that they're not, uh, you know, dropping uh, parts of the trees into the, into the neighbor's yard. Um, so we've had lots of those those calls. There's, you know, people. There's actually tree law, right? Yes. There, there's actually law on how this does or doesn't dissect. I've got a tree at a rental property that I hate, and I was out there trying to tear it down. And a neighbor came out and said, "Oh, you can't remove that tree. That's what changed my car." So I've <laughs> left that stupid tree there just for her shade. But I hate that tree. Jennifer, you had a text on a on a maybe a problematic tree. Yeah, John actually helped us with a lady from Green Valley. Her name is Barbara, and she was a very kind kind of neighbor who knew that her tree was rogue. And so she wrote in and sent some pictures. Um, She has a pine tree that was growing into the neighbor's cypress tree. So, John, do you remember that question? Could you elaborate? I mean, he had some very technical things to say to her so that she would trim it so it wouldn't be a problem again. Yeah, it was was a real courtesy for her to know that her branches of her pine tree were growing into these this row of cypress trees and so she said well how do i how do i deal with it what do i do and i said well again this is species specific because pine trees don't regenerate growth after you make a pruning cut right. uh, she didn't need to worry about uh, doing a whole lot of trimming on them i told her get give yourself a foot or two of clearance away from her trees uh, back to the property line but don't butcher your tree you know we um We've actually had customers say, we want those branches cut back to the property line. And in order to do that, we'd have to make what we call heading cuts, which is to cut a branch at an arbitrary location without reference to side branches. And it, it looks terrible. Right at the property line, you have this stu- all these stubbed off branches. It destroys the, the beauty of the tree. Then the neighbors have to look at a bunch of stubs. I, I'd rather, you know, you know, what we actually encourage them to do is let, let us prune the tree as we normally would. We'll do some nice crown reduction and pull it back as far as we can, but we'll leave a few of the branches kind of feathered over the property line just to just to make it aesthetically more pleasing. So we're not making these terrible um, pruning cuts, which aren't healthy for the tree. 
Sometimes you can take the branch all the way back to the point of attachment at the trunk rather than leave a stub hanging, you know, going, growing three feet to the property <laughs> line and then be stubbed off. But you can see the, the, the balance you have to make there. And if, if you don't have a cooperative neighbor, it, it can present some real challenges on how to do it well. Let's, let's go there. Let's, let's go there. We're talking about being a proactive homeowner, looking at your landscaping and what you can do to be a responsible owner, to be a good neighbor. How about for that homeowner that's got a neighbor that ignores that tree? What are my rights for a nuisance tree that isn't on my property? What can I do? Well, you can take it upon yourself to trim it. I've had people say, well, can I do the trimming and send them the bill? <laughs> um, you really can't do that. Um, sometimes if you have a hazardous tree that you think the neighbor's tree is going could, could pose a risk to your home, you can call the, the city um, and have their, the, the city forester come out and write a report uh, to verify that, yes, this tree is hazardous and it poses a risk to a branch. You know, I had a huge tree in the city of Phoenix that was uh, hanging way over this home, and we were very concerned. And, and uh, Richard Adkins with the city of Phoenix yeah. wrote, wrote a report. Uh, for the homeowner, so he could present it to the neighbor to say, "This home is at, at you know, this tree is at risk of of failing," uh, because if that neighbor said, "Under no circumstances am I going to let this tree be tri- you know be be trimmed," uh, then at least you'd be have some grounds for taking legal action if it did. So, but there's there's lots of uh, you know nuances with regard to how do you, how you approach those situations, um, and there, I, we would just encourage as you know our our clients is often as we can to just do what you can to stay out of court. Amen. Well, now, you know, Janet, an, another Well, another issue with the tree overgrowth is sometimes sight. We had neighbors who planted trees too close to the sidewalk, and then to come out of that street and take a right or left, they were on a corner. You couldn't see around to see the traffic. So we just gently it, asked them, and they, they did trim them. So I guess it pays to be a, the kind of neighbor who could ask that sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's a great, a great, and again, if you needed a little bit of backup, you know, to bring in a city official who can kind of mediate and help, you know, support your, your cause, that that's helpful. Um, there's one caveat, interestingly, you know, we do have technically you have the rights to trim uh, the roots or the above ground parts of the tree, the branches, back to your own property line. But there was a case in California uh, a legal case in which a neighbor trenched along the property line and cut all the roots of these very significant mm. trees mm. right at the, you know, within just a couple of feet from the, because those roots had been going over into, into their yard and causing some damage to the hardscape. And so they cut all those roots and killed the trees. Yeah. And the judge made a decision in favor of the plaintiff, the person who lost all those trees. Right. They said, you... And what what the ruling ended up saying was that you're allowed to trim the branches of the tree or cut roots if you take reasonable care not to damage the trees and and hurt the trees. So they they actually it, it sort of sent a, a a shot across the bow, if you will, to to, to those neighbors who who say I'm just going to cut everything back to the property line. We had a customer who did that very thing. They said I'm. I'm tired of these citrus trees hanging over my wall on the west side of the their east side of their backyard. So the trees were growing from the west, growing toward the west from the neighbor's yard. And so they cut all these citrus trees back to the property line. 
And what happened is this, this, the afternoon sun went in and sunburned cooked it. all yep, of those it. citrus trees, went in and, br- and blistered all the bark. And then once the, those, that interior of those citrus trees was burned, we, they started getting die, branch dieback. And then even more sun, it, was, it sets up a vicious cycle once you open up yeah. the canopy. Well, then that neighbor who had the citrus tree damage sued uh, my client. And I had to come in and write a report. And we made they finally settled. But those are the kind of things you have to be careful of because you can't just um, haphazardly go in and start trimming branches or cutting roots. All right. And yeah. thinking that you have a legal right to do so. Now, when we get back, I want to talk to Janet. Janet? If they build, as a landscape architect, it's my theory, if you build a front porch, they will sit. Let's talk about that when I get back, okay? If you have our home maintenance calendar, you can see there on the top, it's Being a Good Neighbor is our theme for the month to get your home maintenance calendar just let us know the address you'd like it sent to and we'll ship it in the mail it is a physical print calendar yes indeed and there's a lot of great things in there in fact john when i was mentioning this uh last week you even texted me hey what was the number of that uh generator guy you were talking about well it's fox valley electric and solar they've got a 10 percent off Kohler generator it was zero percent financing as well for a backup generator we got mm-hmm. one just because we raise our own beef, so we've always got a deep freezer that's you know constantly overturning. And you know if that ever got power got shut off, ooh, it'd be a stinky mess for a long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not to mention the loss of all that meat. Yeah, yeah. so it's a great uh, tool, and it also lets you know what we've got planned for each month and the breakdown of our outdoor living hour. And our weekly to-dos every single month to help stay on top of your home maintenance. So just let us know the address you'd like it sent to. We've got our next mailing coming up here at the end of the month. And today, part of being a good neighbor, we're talking about the front porch. If you build it, they will sit. Janet, what's your thoughts on that as a landscape architect? I think everyone should have a place they like to just go relax at home. And you got to pick the side of the house where if it's happy hour or morning coffee, which side is best and create that space. And um, people will enjoy sitting out outside. Um, uh, the shade of a big tree really adds a lot if you're on the, the northwest side of your house. Um, morning sun can be uh, tough in Arizona, so, but if that's good for coffee, at least you can tolerate there or cold drinks. Um, but yeah, you got to create a place where you want it. You're just like, I really want to go sit there. I want to read. I want to sit and be on the phone or whatever. But you got to enjoy the spaces around your house. And everyone has an ideal space around their house that they can create this kind of setting. A front porch just screams for a ceiling fan, a swing, mm-hmm. and, and a fire pit. Right, yeah. I'm sure. Absolutely. I mean that that's <laughs> the that's a front porch that would get neighbors walking their dog down the sidewalk, mm-hmm. would get them to turn in and say, "Well, hello, how you doing this evening? How is your day?" That's right. Yeah, no front yard, active front yards are very very popular in a lot of places in town, and um, if you have that place, people will will want to join you and talk about the dog. Usually. Yeah, we probably have some listeners this morning out from Silverleaf and Scottsdale and Verado and in Buckeye. Um, those are two communities that, that employ a lot of, of front porches. 
And they're so neat to drive through those neighborhoods and see all those verandas and the steps w- walking up to those little patios, I mean, those little front porches. And uh, just it's there's something about that to kind of throw back to another generation when there was a lot more porches uh, than there than there are today. Well, Janet, you were talking about special places to retreat to on your own property. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my in my youth, I thought I wanted to study architecture, and I was at ASU School of Engineering and considering transferring over to architecture. And there was a professor there by the name of Cal Straub. Ah, sure. And uh, Cal called it. He said, "When you design a home for someone, uh, we all know this twelve stations, right?" Certain religions have 12 stations, right? Well, he always called it, every property should have 12 stations of the beer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you should have 12 locations on your property that you could retreat to with your best friend, your spouse, and have a relaxing refreshment. 12 places on every single piece of property. <laughs> and boy, you could easily do a front yard, front porch, Absolutely. where the front yard could be two or three of those spots. Yes, it could. Sure. Yep. Yep. Plant a tree, put the shade in the right place, put down some nice, comfy furniture, and you might have to spray it off with a hose now and then, but that's okay. But well, it is. Absolutely. Make yeah. sure you buy the furniture uh, yeah. that, that acclimates to a good hosing every mm-hmm. once in a while. Mm-hmm. Some planters with some nice flowers in them. Everyone loves that. It was the irony of the the baby boomers as they moved to to Arizona in the 50s and 60s. Uh, We would build these subdivisions, and the lots were a little bit bigger than they were in a lot of the communities in the Midwest where people were moving from. And so they had these backyards. And somehow, some way, and to this day, I still don't know how the tradition got started, but in Arizona, we got in the habit of building back yard walls and we moved everything I, and I, it wasn't the, people say well that was the swimming pools no it wasn't the walls requirement for swimming pools didn't come till much 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 later jennifer and i lived in a house with a swimming pool in a backyard that had no walls in, the, in any of the neighborhood any of the kids in the neighborhood could just come over and jump in the pool <laughs> and sometimes they did but uh so in Arizona, we have places like Agritopia, uh, the old historic districts that go back to, to bring back that aura and the magic of the front porch. We want to talk a little bit next ha- half hour about what that does to neighborhood security and the community. Stay tuned. Hanging out on the front porch. That's what we're talking about here right now at Rosie on the House. If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a ring at one 767 4348 We're talking about if you build the front porch, they will sit. So we're talking about tips and ideas about what you can include in your planning for a front porch. We've already established the fact that it's just not a front porch without a swing right (laughs) you've got to have a comfortable place to sit for sure and not just for you but hopefully for your spouse for your kids and for any 
neighbor walking the street that opts to turn up off the curb, up your front walk, and sit down and visit for just a few minutes. Make a comfortable place to sit. You think of communities like in Prescott, the old Senator Highway, as you're driving through parts of town. All those big, beautiful, gorgeous front porches. They were a tradition for so long. And we were talking a little bit the last hour about how we moved everything to the backyard. Uh, and a swimming pool in Arizona will have a tendency to do that, draw you into the backyard. But don't hesitate to lose the opportunity to come out and establish your presence in the community on your front yard. One of the things a front porch can do is it's proven it greatly enhances the security of your neighborhood. When professional thieves are determining what neighborhood to hit, they actually send expert screeners out. They're casing your neighborhood, and they're looking for neighborhoods that have high amounts of vacancy during the day with dual incomes, people all leaving the home, kids are at school, mom and dad are both on their jobs. High concentrations of neighborhoods that are empty during the week tend to be a very high probability target for these people. Well, they're out casing your neighborhood and maybe about halfway down the street, you've got a retired couple living in and amongst that people and they like to sip their coffee out on the front porch in the morning. They will immediately, the thieves, scratch that neighborhood off their checklist and say, nope, don't want to take the chance of being seen. So it does a lot for security to encourage you and your neighbors to push out the front door and enjoy your coffee, read your newspaper, or enjoy the sunset and the evening walks that your neighbors are taking. The swing, a comfortable place to sit. Install some outdoor lighting. And I would encourage you to think about in any lighting instance or situation, we call light bulbs inappropriately located glare bombs. Okay, you don't want to have these bright spotlights shining in your eyes, distracting from the ambiance you're trying to create. If you've got security spotlights, turn them down, turn them towards the ground, light the area. As a matter of fact, we have recently in the last two or three years for the homes we build and remodel, we mount the security motion detector spotlights on the backside of the eave where you don't even see it and all it does is light the outside walls of the house with a motion detector that's pointed out towards the perimeter of the property so if anyone is approaching the house after dusk the lights immediately light up the entire exterior perimeter of the house which is more than enough to distract that nefarious visitor. And it isn't something that you're looking at as a neighbor uh, constantly, these big, bright runway lights shining out from your house, out across the front yard, into your across the street, into your neighbor's front windows. So consider that, again, 
just one more concept of being a good neighbor. Think about what you're establishing. Think about what you're doing and how it could impact your neighbor. So it creates a friendly environment. It creates one of those stations that you can sit down and enjoy your property. It also creates a level of neighborhood, community, and security. If you've got a favorite front porch story, give us a ring at one 768 767-4348. And Romy mentioned it at the top of the hour. Our calendars for 2022 are out. They're printed. If you'd like one, we now currently distribute about 40,000 of these calendars statewide. We distribute them all for free. They are more than a calendar. They are a handbook of home ownership. You can request a free copy simply by reaching out to us at rosyonthehouse.com. Let us know what address you'd like them sent to and how many copies you would like. Maybe you, as a good neighbor, would like to get a dozen to go around one afternoon or evening. Knock on your neighbor's doors and hand them a copy. We just recently mailed a couple hundred to a realtor in Tucson who said, I give them out to every single client I meet. If you'd like some, let us know. Uh, I think we're down. I think we're down to about one pallet left, right, Romy? <laughs> we're 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 moving through them. We're going to save are. a few for the Sabo Home Show in April, um, and then we've got the Tucson Book Festival as well. Well, in fact, I'm always looking forward to that. That's that, a great event. It yeah. is a great event, and the only reason we uh, were able to finally start participating. Because you have to be a publisher. Well, with the physical print calendar, we didn't. That wasn't the reason we did it. It was just an added benefit we found later. We're now <laughs> considered a publisher and could attend the Tucson Book Festival. We'll be at the Casa Grande uh, home show as well. There you go. So we're, it's great to be able to get out and about again. It is. Man, it we is. haven't been at anything for, what, two years now almost? If you were interested in more about what Rosie was talking about as far as security in your neighborhood, we did some uh, talking points last week about joining Neighborhood Watch and and marrying that with the Nextdoor app. It just If you don't have that front porch, you know, there's a lot of us that take some time to get that front porch going. It's a great way to know who your neighbors are, what's going on, you know, and it's it's in real time. A lot of people are monitor that, you know, hey, this is going on in the neighborhood or did you see that? Or, you know, it's a great way to keep track of what's going on. I don't know why so many master plan communities don't build in a front porch. And even the back porch is, in my opinion, quite pathetic <laughs> and, well, and, that, and size. You don't, you, don't, you don't count an 8 by 10 uh, patio cover as a backyard uh, ski porch. No. When you can be outside six months a year here, you know, easily with no no kind of extra comfort. And then in the summer, you can get through it with shades and mist and stuff. Rosie and I drove through that Agritopia in Gilbert. It is magic. I said, what is this? And they've got these beautiful trees lining the streets, and they kind of make a canopy of shade. I was like, what's everybody doing there? I thought there was something going on, but it was just the neighbors out. out. There's a bunch of men talking about a car and some women on another one drinking some coffee. I thought, oh, that's just, I long for those days. Well, it's typical for those of you that have moved here from other locations where front yards and and, uh, main streets are more uh, compatible to that. Uh, it just happens that Arizona grew so fast after the 50s, they all became massive subdivisions with streets, sidewalks, uh, front yards, and, and, and larger backyards that we then built walls around and 
created an environment where we change the culture of the neighborhood. And uh, it's good to see some of it coming back, for sure. We take... Go ahead. Well, and part of being a good neighbor in the front porch is if at times you're gone or summer vacation or, you know, whatever the case may be, going and pulling off door hangers that... Mm accumulate on on your neighbor's porch you know the people that walk through and leave advertisements or whatever it is flyers handing out you know un- putting un- out unasked for brochures and coupon books that are thrown on the front porch yeah and or you know having a, a space for delivery packages um that's not that, that don't pile up somewhere not uh, at the visible. front door that just yells hey we're not home <laughs> that one yeah yeah they announce it we've got a text question here from Ramona in Scottsdale that says, how often should I flush my water heater? I'll take that right now since we are a question and answer call and talk show. Ramona, here's what I would tell you about that water heater. How often should you flush it? I'm going to consider it's probably a traditional tank style since you're asking the question about flushing. I'm going to assume it's about a 30 or 40 gallon. It doesn't matter if it's electric or gas. But what does matter is how old is it and when was the last time it was flushed. I generally tell homeowners when they ask me that question, they're generally looking at the water heater and it's beginning to sign show signs of rust or little drips of leak. Or they know inherently it's 15 years old. It's about to die. Can I flush it and extend its life? No. You cannot. If you haven't regularly flushed your water heater and it hasn't been flushed in five years, do not try flushing it yourself. Chances are you will cause more problems than you will prevent. There's just too much sediment build up there. You don't have the expertise to know when is it thoroughly flushed out. Not only that, but when you rinse all of the sediment out of a hot water heater that hasn't been rinsed in five years there's a good several inches of gunk sitting on the bottom of that tank and getting all of that out and getting it all out in a way that it doesn't cause problem with your shutoff valve could be a problem now i will tell you this if you have a plumber at your house and you're having them do something else it would pay you to have them check the condition of the anode rod and see what they charge to flush the system while they're there in case the pressure relief valve sticks open or the shutoff valve sticks open. They'll have what they need to fix it. But draining and flushing your old water heater is not a way to extend its life. You drain and rinse and flush a water heater on a regular basis Primarily, just so you can be able to the world had a front porch like we did back then. We still have our problems, but we'd all be friends. Treating your neighbor like he's your next again. Talking front porches at Rosie on the House, and I want to, if we've piqued your interest, or your desire in considering doing something on the front porch, there's a couple concerns I want to bring up as it relates to what you could do to greatly enhance 
the security of your home and your whole community. But before we do, we have Sandra calling from Sorita with a question. We'd like to take care of Miss Sandra. Good morning. How are you this well, morning? Good morning, Rosie. Good to talk to you. Um, I was uh, talking to Jennifer because you were talking about um, the hot water heaters and having them drain. Now, I'm 75 years old, so I can't do this stuff myself. I'm a widow, and my hot water heater has not been drained since he passed, and that's been over 10 years, so I'm more than likely going to have to get a new one because it was installed in my mobile home back in 1989. Now, my husband passed away in 2006, and... um, it's it's in the back. My mobile home is on, um, you know, five acres. Nice. And the back is higher than the front, so I'm going to have to get someone that can come out there. They're going to have to get on a ladder because it's it's up high before you reach the door. Okay. All right. Well, um, do not flush that water heater. <laughs> Any water heater that's 31, 33 years old. Shouldn't even be touched. As a matter of fact, Sandra, don't even look at it. <laughs> Ignore it. It's it. But you ought to probably replace it. And we've got uh, Intelligent Design Plumbing as a Rosie certified contractor down in Tucson. You could give them a call. Give them your address. Let them take a look at the uh, satellite image of the property. Give them an understanding of what they need to get there. And I think it's a safe assumption that that water heater is very, it, it's past its economic life. Now you're just living on the grace <laughs> uh, of the water heater itself. Call Intelligent Design, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing, and have them come out and give you a quote for replacing that. We appreciate the call. I know it's a beautiful morning in Sorita today. Yeah. I, I was just in Sorita, Sonoida, and Elgin this past week what a gorgeous part of the state yeah, we can be a lot like you know if it's not broke don't fix it but what the problem with the water heater especially that old when it does break you know that often leads to a lot of water damage and could, that's a lot more could. expensive to replace it then Bigger and fix problem. everything uh that the water is damaged than just getting ahead of it and you'll be really surprised uh about the uh, the efficiency of a water heater, new one versus one that's 30, 30 years old. Yeah. Let me go back to front porches as we close this segment out this hour. I got a text says, Rosie, I put in a ring a doorbell with a camera. Is that the equivalent of a, installing a front patio? No, I don't think that qualifies as a front porch. Just putting an eye out at the front door, seeing what's going on. You need to get out there yourself. But it brings up a very important point. As when you're planning this front porch and front patio, do not do anything that visibly blocks the view of your front door from the street. Because if your front door, your front door is the number one place burglars and home invaders will access your home. And it's very easy to do. But if your front door is visible to your neighbors, they're much less likely to try it. But if it's back in a narthex or it's protected by bushes and shrubs and your neighbors can't see your front door, those are the front doors the bad guys love 
to access. So in designing your front porch, make sure the front door stays visible to your neighbors, visible to the street. Don't crowd it with a bunch of screen walls or heavy vegetation. Who doesn't? Who hasn't had a package stolen off their front patio in the last five to 10 years? How many of you are doing online shopping? In designing this front porch, front patio, we never forget to bring up to the homeowners, look, let's install uh, Amazon, a uh, FedEx, let's install a lockable locker that camouflages itself as a bench seat or a storage compartment. It, it, it's a fact of life now how much shopping is being done online and how profitable it is for people to run down the street and pick up every box that's out there, throw it in the back of a pickup truck, take it to a warehouse that night, and just go through it to see what they can fence. So a lockable delivery locker is an excellent component for security because when they see that, they'll scratch your neighborhood off the list of neighborhoods to hit.